Hi, this is Chris Sorensen. Welcome to Brookville Road Community Church Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to check out our website at brookvilleroad.cc for all the latest information about what's going on at Community Church. I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Hey, I want to just wish all of you a happy Valentine's Day. So glad that you're here with us today. Uh, Valentine's Day and uh, happy birthday to my mother-in-law. So she's watching live right now in Iowa. So Linda, happy birthday to you as well. Welcome to all of you who are watching live right now. It's good to have you with us. Uh, just a, a quick plug for something that we are making available to those here at the church. We, uh, we have something called Financial Peace University Plus. And if you are interested in digging in to learn how to do more with your finances, how to kind of order things properly, I would encourage you to go to our website and check that out, Financial Peace University Plus. It's free to you. It's our gift to you this year. Uh, we thought some of you would enjoy taking part in that. Uh, We're wrapping up something, a two-year initiative that we call Boundless here at the church. And Boundless has been this initiative where we have sought to increase what we do for missions, uh, over a half million dollars in two years to remodel our children's environments, which we have done. And then, of course, this room that we're worshiping in today. And it's just a blessing every time we get to come into this space and worship our Lord. I want to thank you all for your effort, your energy, your faithfulness to give through through these two years. It wraps up in March. Uh, I, I'm just very, very thankful that I get to be a part of a church family uh, that looks outward, not just inward. Uh, I'm blessed to be one of the pastors here. I was just thinking uh, before I came out, what a privilege it is to know that you let me be your pastor. And, and it's always amazing that people even show up, even on cold days like this. I, I'm just amazed that the Lord would keep using this place. And so I want to thank you for the part that you play in things that are happening here at Brookville Road Community Church. So with, with that in mind, that we're kind of wrapping up a two-year initiative and and people have given above and beyond. Uh, I want to wrap it up just a couple weeks here talking about, you ready? Money. That's the response I thought that I would get. All right. So uh, as we talk about finances, I I realize I'm a little bit weird because I like talking about money and I like talking about budgets. And I know for some people, it just freaks them out when we start talking about money, but it really didn't bother Jesus. Matthew chapter six, verse 20. Jesus says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I have found that to be true, that I tend to spend money on the things that I love, that I enjoy. And for me, what I love are vacations. And so I I invest in vacations. And one of the things that I did early on when I'm trying to figure out how am I going to order my my finances? What does this look like as a believer in Christ? One of the things that I would do early on to try to gauge where I'm at, I still do this, is every year I would look at how much I spent on vacations and how much I returned to God. And what does that look like? Am I more interested in spending on me or am I more interested in returning to God? So that was kind of this this thing that I would use to use as a gauge, a benchmark on where I was at. And there's, as we talk about money, I want you to know that um, for Tammy, my wife and I, we, we have run the gamut of what it looks like to do this wrong and in seasons to do this, what I would feel is, is right and, and really to have a great handle on what God would have us to do. And so I, I just realized the amount of freedom that I have found when it comes to finances, 
I want that for others. I'm always, I'm always so grateful when other people pick up what God's word has to say about this and they actually put it into practice and then they find freedom and they find joy. And, and I love that kind of thing. So when it comes to financial stress, uh, we, we feel that kind of thing. Now we're talking about stretched, right? We're, we're talking about how in our lives, we just have this tension. I brought with me one of those uh, exercise bands, not mine, full disclosure, obviously. Uh, this is my wife, Tammy's, because she's in good shape. And uh, I said, can I borrow one of your bands? And she said, yeah, what one do you want? Because they all have different tension. And I'm like, well, the one that's weaker than the others, right? So she gave me this one. And you stretch these bands, and the further you stretch, the more tension that you get. And I, I realize that everybody's kind of a different place when it comes to, you know, what can I put up with in my life? How much emotional stress can I have? How much time energy am I able to have or margin? And it's the same with finances as well. But what I have found for many, many people is they spend to the limit and they stretch everything financially to this place where there's no room to give. Like if there's one more thing, I think I'll snap. I think I'm going to come to the end of it. And so we just spend to the limit and we end up with this tension and we feel stretched with our time and with our emotions and especially when it comes to our resources, to our money. And so no matter how much you make, people feel stress. People who are millionaires end up with financial stress. In fact, they might have more financial stress because they have more money to worry about. What's interesting is, I think if we were to talk to people and tell them, especially if they're in different parts of the country or other parts of the world, and we were to say, oh man, I'm just so stretched and stressed with my finances, they'd look at us funny. They'd say, well, wait, 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 wait a minute. You got like a house with three, four, five bedrooms? You, you've got a, a new car. You got a great big TV, maybe a couple big TVs. You have a coffee maker. Are you kidding me? And you're stressed about money. Yeah, I'm just stressed about money. You're, you're taking vacations. You have running water, cold and hot. And you're all worried about finances. How can you be so worried when you have all of this? No matter how much you make, how little you make, you can find people who would look at you and they would say, look, I look at what you're spending. How can you be stressed when you eat out that much? How can you be stressed when you purchase whatever that is? And the thing is, we feel the tension. We feel that stress, no matter how much or how little you make. And the stress comes when we mismanage what God has placed into our hands. And the thing that I want us to understand today is this. God's order, when it comes to finances, brings peace. Our order, the way we naturally kind of gravitate to what we're going to do with money and that kind of stuff, our order brings pain. Pain. God's order brings peace. Our order ends up bringing us pain and we're stressed and we're stretched because we keep spending to the limit. We keep moving. There's our financial income. There's our financial outgo. And when our outgo is exceeding our income, then it's a bad outcome for us. Like if somebody were to come up to you 15 years ago for some of us and were to say, Hey, in 15 years, you're going to make, you know, whatever you're making now, you'd be like, well, I'm going to be set. That's fantastic. 15 years from now, I'm going to make that. And yet, what do we do? We ratchet it up every single year. We keep spending to the limit. We keep hitting the ceiling when it comes to our finances. And we keep getting stretched and stretched. And we keep thinking, all I need is a little bit more. 
But what we need isn't a little bit more because a little bit more kept stretching us and moving us. What we need is more margin. What we need is a little bit of cushion, a little bit of space in our lives. But our order brings pain. God's order brings peace. And we live with this idea that if I just had more, how, how are you doing at work? Well, if I just had a little bit more money. But what we need is more margin so that we don't feel that stretch. I think that Solomon got it right in Ecclesiastes 5. He said, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. So we're never satisfied with what we have. We keep thinking, well, I just want more. And so the Bible speaks on this to help us because we have a heavenly father who loves us, who wants to point us in the right direction of how to order our lives in every area of our lives. It's not as if God is in heaven saying, well, I'm just interested in your spirit and you knowing my son. I'm interested in your whole life, how you conduct your finances, how you conduct your spiritual life, your relationships with other people. And so God speaks into these areas, not so we can say, well, that's nice. I'm glad other people do that. I'm not doing it. God's order in life in totality brings peace. Our order tends to bring pain. And so to help us with this, I want to talk about a principle. It's an ordering plan. We're going to call it the 10-10-80 plan. All right, 10-10-80, it's a principle that works. And so uh, what I thought we would do is let's, let's talk about this, like how we would instruct our kids. Because I think a lot of us in this room would love to tell our children how not to do it the way we did. We would love to save our kids all of that pain, all of the tension, all of the stress that we've experienced. And we would love our kids or our grandkids not to make the same boneheaded mistakes that we've made in our lives. So I thought, well, let's go ahead and just talk about, all right, how would we teach this to our children or maybe even our grandchildren? So uh, a visual prop. I have here with me, this is, this is money. It's hard to come by nowadays uh, in this form. So I found some dollar bills. Let's say your child, your grandchild makes $10. They either earn it or they get it, however, however they're going to get it. They get $10. So you come to your grandchild or your child and you say, all right, whose money is this? And they're going to say, mine, mine. And you say, no, 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 no. This isn't your money. This is God's money. It was God's money before it was your money because God owns everything. Everything in heaven and on earth belongs to God. It's all his. Oh, I thought it was mine. And you'll even hear adults say, I made this money. You didn't make that money. I mean, quite literally, did you make the money? Like, did you make the cotton and the linen that goes into a dollar bill? Did you make the ink? Did, did you make the machine that made the dollar? Did you make the person who made the design? Did you do any of that? No, none of us have made and hold on to something forever. Everything belongs to God. And it's all going to go back to him. At some point, the money that you have now, it'll be somebody else's. The stuff that you have now, it'll go to somebody else. You, you're telling your child, because they're the ones that really need to learn this. You're telling your child, it's all God's. You're just managing it for a period of time. You're getting to steward what he's given to you. And since it's his, the very first dollar, you need to give back to him. You need to return to him. 
That's, that's the tithe. That's 10%. You give him 10%. You say, God, thank you so much for letting me manage all of this stuff and placing it into my hands for a short period of time. However, I've got it. Lord, I want to manage it properly. I need to return to you so that God, you can do in other people's lives what you're doing in my own life. That you can build into other people. Thank you, God. And so you say to your child, you think you can manage that? Yeah, I can give God a buck. <laughs> you say, well, it's not just like a buck. This is this is 10%. You need to know that it's not like just, hey, God, here's, here's a tip, here's a buck, because someday you might make $1,000. And if you make $1,000, 10% of 1,000 is 100. Thank you, because I was drawing a blank. $100, right? This, God, here's 100 of these for you. And someday you might make $10,000. And 10% of that would be 1,000. I'm tracking with you as well. 1,000. Someday, who knows? You could make a hundred thousand dollars, and ten percent of that is ten thousand of those. And son, daughter, you are going to be so tempted with every zero added, with the stack getting bigger, to say, "I can't give that to God." Oh, I could do this. That's easy. But when the number gets bigger, that's a test of faith. Son, daughter, grandchild, you need to know that your God is faithful and he has placed into your hand for a period of time, wealth and resources. And he's asked for you to return to him. So that's the first dollar. And then you say to them, hey, we're gonna take the next dollar. Watch this. This dollar, you pay yourself. That one's yours. You get to save that. You get to set that aside for the future. You get to invest that in GameStop. Like you're gonna make a bunch of money. Like find something and invest in. This is yours down the road. This is for the future. That dollar, that 10%, that's yours. Like if you you want to help out, like set it aside for braces, set it aside for your wedding, set it aside for these things. It's an emergency fund. It's your whatever, but that's for you. You are going to pay yourself right after God. Then you say, all right, you've got $8 left. You've got 80% left over. You say, what are you going to do with that? And if they're young, they're going to say, I'm going to give it to God. And you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Hold on, sport. Let's not go overboard. Adults get all crazy with, you know, like, don't get overly generous with this money. That's your money. You, you get to do with that whatever you want. That's yours. So you can spend it however you want. And so kids, they don't worry about cars and mortgages and debt and investments, all that kind of stuff. They just simply think, you know, well, I'll save this money up and I'll buy a game or a toy or I'll get some candy or something like that. So that's your money to spend, 80% of it. And when you compare it, you're like, well, that's, that's pretty good. That's quite a bit. It's really quite simple. The 10, 10, 80 principle is a plan that is God's plan, and it's quite easy. However, there's a difference between God's plan and our plan because the majority of people don't live that way. See, God says, my ways are not your ways. My ways are higher than your ways, and our ways tend to revolve around us. Our ways tend to revolve around selfishness and greed and what we can keep for ourselves. But God's plan is different. God's order brings peace. Our order brings pain. And you can have your way. Or you can have the American way, which tends to end up being debt and worry and stretched and stress. 
Or you can begin to order your life with God's plan. And there's just this supernatural thing that he begins to do when he makes margin, when he creates space in our life. And we aren't all stressed and stretched and worried about finances. 10, 10, 80, it works. I know it works. I've lived it. Many people in this room have lived it. Now it gets tricky. I understand it gets tricky with investments and mortgages and debt and taxes, which are coming up and this, all that stuff, right? I understand that. But God gets the first 10. We get the second 10 and everything that's left over is for living on. So here's what I want to do. I want to drill down just a little bit and I want to work backwards. I want to talk about first the 80. I want to talk about the 80%. Because this is where many people just kind of run off the rails when it comes to spending and, and the money that they have to manage. And so let's, let's drill down on this. We're going to work our way backwards. God's, God's order brings peace. Our order brings pain. And my pain comes when I spend too much on myself, when I make everything about me. So this is what we're going to read in 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. He writes, for the love of money. And maybe you thought we were going to talk about Valentine's verses. Here's a Valentine's verse. We're talking about love. As a matter of fact, some people may need to write a like Valentine's Day card and send it to the bank. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And that just means sorrows. That means griefs. People have wandered from the faith because of the way that they've ordered their lives. And the way that I typically see this happening is people love stuff, they love money more than they love God. And God clearly says in his word, you can't love both money and me. There's not room enough in your heart for two gods. There's only room in your life for one God and I want to be that God. And yet for so many people, The thing that sits on the throne of their life, the thing that is most important is stuff. They won't say it, but the way that they live and the way that they order their lives, there is another God. And they end up wandering away from a relationship with God and they pierce their life with many griefs. Wander from the faith because God is not number one. Money is. Our order brings pain. And when we begin to love things more than we love God, we end up making just silly, silly, silly decisions. And we start to spend more than 80%. Some people actually start spending 100%, 110%, 120%. And they'll take out more loans so that we can get more stuff for ourselves. And it brings pain. And some people, they kind of move in a a different direction. And and it's not stuff that they're accumulating. They're just simply creating more margin. They're just simply really kind of stingy so that they can have a bigger stack of money. They they want to rely on the, the resources for safety and security. And it's a danger for all of us, right? Whether or not you're going to spend a whole bunch of money and buy a whole bunch of items and get things for yourself, or whether or not you're going to save a whole bunch and keep piling up how much money you've got in the bank. And for me, I tend in the opposite direction of saving too much, of of being stingy. I've shared this with you before. 
told you, I, I'm cheap, I'm frugal. I've talked about, you know, my family dynamics and I try not to point dad out too much, but you know, he's kind of cut from the same cloth and we try to make sure that we don't spend a whole lot of money and we save it, but that can be dangerous as well. So one of the things I just try to confess things so that I don't have it, you know, hanging on me. Like I can be cheap and I can trust, I can trust in making sure that I keep building up a bank account so that I can have safety. And that is dangerous because I need to trust in God, not in my money, right? Say, right, Chris, get it together, right? So I tell people this, I've told them this for years to help break that bondage in my life. And so in one of the churches where I was telling people, yeah, I, have, I can be real cheap and a penny pincher and stuff like that. I met another guy who's worse than me, like off. Right, And so we would talk back and forth about how cheap he was. And I've got tons of stories about him. And so one day he comes up to me. He says, Chris, I got you a gift. I'm like, you got me a gift. You didn't get me a gift. There's no way you would spend money on a gift. You found some roadkill somewhere and I'm about to get it. I, there's no way you bought me a gift. No, I got you a gift. I bought you a money clip. And this is what he gave me. There it is. <laughs> I thought it was appropriate, Right. So there's this tendency where we'll penny pinch, right? Well, we'll, the goal is not more margin. The goal is not financial peace. The goal is God. The goal is God. And just simply saying, well, I've got a whole bunch of margin. I got a whole bunch of money over here because I'm really good with my money and I'm not overspending and stuff like that. It could just simply show that you don't trust your heavenly father. And you would rather trust having a whole bunch of money in the bank than taking that and utilizing it for the kingdom of God. So it's not more holy or you don't have to look at Chris and say, well, he's got a bunch of margin. Good for him. That potentially could be, I find safety in something other than God. And that is not what needs to happen in our lives. Right? We want to be good managers of God's money. Yes. And we want to do that as a church, right? Like we, when, when a church ends up at the end of the year and they have a bunch of money, like it keeps piling up, that's not necessarily a good thing. It may mean we've missed the boat. This is why boundless was so important. At the time, we watched the bank accounts growing and we're like, look, we're not for profit. We need to make sure that we're investing this in the kingdom of God. And so the elders and the staff, we start praying and people begin to pray, God, what would you have us to do with this so that your kingdom will continue to expand? We want to make sure in all areas of our life that the goal isn't margin. The goal isn't financial peace. The goal is God and the kingdom of God being expanded. I've been watching on TV, I've been watching some YouTube videos here recently, just really kind of interesting where uh, I'm catching these videos where these guys are, are walking in, it's probably illegal, but they're going into abandoned mansions and palaces and they're walking in and showing just the opulence of these places that have been left behind. I watched one the other day, the family left in 04, just a huge mansion, but it's falling down, falling apart. They just walked away from it. I'm sure there's other things going on there. But they invested tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars in this property. It is falling down. And friends, the only thing that will last in our lives, it's not your house, not your car, it's not even this building. It is the kingdom of God and people. This is what we need to be about. This is where true investment begins to happen. When we are laying up for ourselves in heaven and one day friends, we will be there in a blink of an eye and we see all that we have been able to do, not as we bought things for ourselves or tried to you know, get our bottom line higher, but as we invested in the kingdom of God, we're going to look around and we will be amazed at what is going to happen for all of eternity and that's what we'll be pleased in, not in whatever's rotten on earth but what God is doing in heaven through lives. That's what I want to be about. God's order brings peace. Our order brings pain.
And in our order, what we tend to do is accumulate. And we accumulate stuff. But when we accumulate stuff, it ends up sidetracking us. Because if you notice, the more that you get, the more you have to think about it. The more you're thinking about, well, how am I going to pay for it? How am I going to insure it? How am I going to manage it? How am I going to upgrade it? Anybody ever had a boat before, RV before? Like all of this mental energy going into these things. When that mental space and that emotional energy and spiritual energy could go into our relationship with God. That's why I think when we go overseas to different places and maybe they don't have as much as we have in America and everybody's all happy. All the adults are smiling. All the kids are smiling. You're like, what's going on here? I think it's because of this issue. They aren't all stressed and worried about their Dodge Ram pickup truck in the parking lot rusting. They're not worried about all the systems in their home that's breaking down. They're freed up of all that stuff, and they are enjoying life and relationships and God. So that's, that's the 80. Then there's the 10, which is, you know, our savings decisions, that, that part that we save for the future. And our order brings pain. God's order brings peace. And in this area, we can move in one of two extremes as well. We can, we can underdo this or overdo this. We can save too much or save too little. I believe Proverbs 6 has something to say to that. Verse 6, go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. If you look at ants, how much do ants have? Just enough. They have just enough. And it's like clockwork. It's just clockwork for them. And it's consistent. And I think that's the way that it should be with our saving. Not too much, not too little. It should be clockwork. And again, the goal is God. The goal isn't a bigger savings account, bigger investment. If we, but if we don't have some level of margin, some level of flexibility in our lives, then when those emergencies just naturally come our way, when things pop up, we're not going to have any margin and we're going to be all stressed. And what happens is you put yourself in a predicament where you're going to have to look to others to help bail you out. And so if you will begin to save and invest for emergencies, investments for your children, for the future, you begin to take all of that energy and keep focusing on God rather than the next issue that's going to come. Do I have enough money at the end of my paycheck? Savings begins to provide that margin and that cushion. Again, you can overdo it or you can underdo it. So that's the 80. That's the 10. Now let's talk about the first 10%, the first 10 that goes to God. That's the tithe the tithe. This is where the first part of our income needs to go every single paycheck. I realize that as I'm talking up here, there is a tendency to discount what I'm saying because I'm a pastor. And I want you to know, I don't work on commission. I, I, I am not looking to get anything from you. I want something for you. In fact, I, I'm not stressed about money. I used to be stressed about money. Because my order was me first, and then maybe God somewhere. I have margin. I'm not worried. I'm not stressed. I'm not even stressed about where we're at financially as a church. That's not why we're talking about this. I just realize that there's so much freedom and so much joy when you begin to do it the way that God has asked you to do it, that I want that for you. And so, you know, the whole tension in the room and why is my heart pounding and all that stuff, that's there. I realize it just because of, you know, what other ministries and ministers have done. I'm not interested in that. I want you to know that there is a peace that comes in doing this. Don't discount what I'm saying. And so I, I, I want to I show you something. And this is in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. And it says this. Look, if, we, if we don't give to God first, we have a propensity to rob him. And he says this. God says, will a man rob God? <laughs> And you read that and you think, well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Who would try to rob God? Are you nuts? I mean, he's, he sees everything. He's, I've heard, he's pretty powerful. How would you try to rob God? God says, you're robbing me. 
You say, well, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You're cursed with a curse for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring a full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. Over and over again in the Old Testament, it talks about tithing. And I believe that Jesus reaffirms it in the New Testament. And here in this passage in Malachi is the only time that God says, test me. Try it. Give it your best shot. See, if you don't return to me, give the first portion to me, if I don't take care of every single one of your needs, just go ahead and test me. And I could give you examples. I could give you examples of people right here in this room right now who've tested God. And they say, yep, it works. I could give you examples of Christians throughout history who have said, yes, God is true to his word. He has always come through and met every one of our needs. He lives up to his end of the bargain. That's one of the reasons why I know we can't discount Malachi chapter three. It works. And so here's what we're doing. We are challenging people to begin to tithe, to return to God. And, I, and it, there's a money-back guarantee, a money-back guarantee. And, and I would just say, you, if you're married, pray with your spouse, talk it over, and do it together. And realize that when you put God first, there is peace. In our order, there's pain. And so between now, like you know, March, April, May, all the way to June, June 6th, We'll have that as a cutoff. You tithe, and let me tell you what. You test God. If he does not come through, does not meet your needs, you get your money back. Just ask the treasurer, she'll give it back. I have no idea what you give. I don't know what anybody in the church gives. I don't know, which may help some of you out. And another thing, look, I I throw this out. If, If there was a way for us to do this where you could just do this with some other ministry and we could track it, great. I don't care. Again, I'm not after your money. That's not what this is about. This is all about you putting God first. And so, you know, make sure when you're, when you're giving, if it's going to be cash that you attach your name to it, you can't come back like June 6th and be like, well, I gave 10 grand in cash and we have no way of knowing. Put your first name, your last name. Some of you have the same first name and last name, by the way, and your address. And then look, if God doesn't come through, you get your money back. Now I've done this before. And I don't, I don't want it to be manipulation. This isn't manipulation. I just want you to test it without any risk. I'm, we're taking the risk away. Test God. And I have not, I've done this several times now. The first time that I did this, I was scared. But I challenged folks. And there was somebody in the church, and he and I disagreed theologically about a ton of things. And when he heard that challenge... He took me up on the challenge, but he took me up on the challenge so that he could prove me wrong about how I land when it comes to tithing based on where he comes when it comes to giving. So he took me up on the challenge. And at the end of those three months, he said, Chris, let's go out to lunch. So we went out to lunch and he sat sat across from me. He said, I took you up on that challenge. I thought, "Uh oh, (laughs) here it comes. He's going to blast me. So I said, well, how'd it go? He said, well, I got a promotion. I got a raise, I got a new car, I guess it worked. And I'm like, I'm sorry? Like, he wasn't real happy about it. Like, I'm, and what I'm telling you, I'm not telling you like, well, if you begin to tithe, you're gonna get a raise and you're gonna get a promotion, you're gonna have more money and blah, 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 and you're gonna get a new car and this is wealth and prosperity. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, God must come first in your life. He must. 
This is why he says, go ahead, test me, try this. See if you don't begin to open up your heart, that thing that begins to to put a lockdown on on money and stuff, and you think that it's all yours and you're going to have it forever, and you begin to let go of that and watch what I begin to do, God would say, where you've been stretched in tension, and God begins to put margin in your heart once again, and you find peace and blessing from God. And this isn't just about money and numbers. You know that, right? Like that tension that you felt at the very start when I said, we're going to talk about money and that thing in the back of your mind, like, well, he's just, he's, he's after our money. There's ulterior motives here. That pressure that you feel, you realize that's not about the money, right? There's something deeper. Why do we push back on this? It's because when we don't return to God his portion, what we're basically saying is, God, I like TVs and computers and cars and boats more than I like what you're doing in this world. God, I like vacations and I like just bigger homes because ultimately I'm not interested in other people or you. And my order brings pain to me and ultimately it brings pain to others as I continue to keep for myself And don't open up my heart to generosity. It just illustrates, we're not into God's order. We're into our order. But I'm telling you, you cannot have God's peace until you determine once and for all. What are you living for? Who are you living for? And I recognize that there's probably not anything new that you learned in this when we talk about this principle. Yet there's still this gap between what you know and what you do. It's been said that the difference between the haves and the have-nots is the difference between the did and the did-nots. That's why the Bible says, let's not just be hearers of the word, let's be doers of the word. It's not good intentions that determine the direction of our lives. It's the action that we take that determines the direction of our lives. And I would challenge you and encourage you to begin to pray about putting God's first because God's order brings peace. Our order brings pain. Let's pray. Father, when it comes to this whole issue of money, I recognize there is tension and there is stress and it's, it comes along just with the territory of what money is and this pull on our heart when it comes to stuff, when it comes to our desire to be first in all that we do. Father, it's difficult to begin to let go and to begin to trust, but this is faith and it is what you have called us to do. Lord, I pray for every person who's come in today. Maybe they don't know this church. Maybe they don't know us. They don't realize that we're not interested in manipulating. We are interested in being wholehearted followers of yours, that Jesus Christ would reign supreme. That means in all areas, not just some spiritual life that we might want to keep private, not just in the area of our spiritual life, but in all areas, Father that you would begin to rule and reign. And would you do that with my finances, with what you've entrusted to me? Father, we trust you. We love you. May your order bring peace into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love for you to join us at one of our weekend worship services. For service times and information about BRCC, be sure to check out brookvilleroad.cc. God bless you.